Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. It is gift giving season. Time to book some hunts and time to buy some swag. Jeff, we don't, there's no more room to book hunts unless you're doing it for well, 2023. I've got some January dates I still can work in. I could do a couple of pheasant hunts around Christmas time, but yes, we are pretty much to the max. But if you go to stanfieldhunting.com and you go to store. Now we do have swag. We have swag for sale on the site. We've got a ton of swag left for Christmas. If you want to get it shipped to you, guaranteed to be there by Christmas, I have no idea when that is, but I would get done in the next week or two. Do it now. Stanfieldhoney.com and go to go to the store, and you can check out right there. You pay right there through credit card, PayPal, whatever you want to do, and you can pay right there, and it shipped directly, and we ship every two days. So go to stanfieldhunting.com. Easy enough. Next, we are brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. It's how we start our day out here every single day. The Missouri Boat Ride Blend is our coffee of choice. And let me tell you, we're going through a lot of it right now, and everybody is excited about it. Now, listen, there's a couple ways that you can save. You can get, you can sign up for their subscription services. Uh, coffee will automatically deliver to your door. You can save 20% off at checkout by signing up for the subscription service. Or you can use the promo code BIGHONKER, and you can save yourself 15% off at purchase. It makes a great stocking stuffer. Get you a couple pounds for that loved one that's coffee lover. Easy present. Dad would rather have that than a tie. 100%. Get him some coffee, something like that. Coffee's so. the new cigar. I'm telling you right now, as a dad, if someone sends you some coffee, you're going to be like, hey, I got that coffee. I'm going to go make me a cup of coffee. Do it. You appreciate it. Yes. You appreciate it. Cigars so, are out. Coffee's in. There's a couple ways to save. Go to dirty.coffee.com right now. Uh, we are also brought to you by Double T British Kennels. Another great little thing. Puppies make cute presents. Oh, best present in the world. And if you really, if you have an ex, if you have an ex-wife and she's got custody of the kids, there's no way, better way to piss her off than buying her by a puppy. I'm, I'm honest. That's honest to God right, truth. Yeah. Really want to piss off your ex by the kids a puppy. And the kids are the kids are going to look at you like you're the coming of Christ whenever That's right. you hand them that puppy. So Double T British Kennels has dogs uh, of every shape and size, started dogs, puppies. Uh, they they got it all. So go check them out. Double T British Kennels. It would make a great Christmas present. I, I'm just telling you. Out of this world. Also, we're brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. The uh, Into the Vault sale is closing soon. So you need to go through there and see if there's anything that you want to make a bid on. I've got a bid in right now, and it looks like I might win this son of a bitch, Jeff. So, so what'd, you, what'd you buy? Don't worry about it. I don't want to jinx okay. it, and I don't want people is hearing this. Is it a Christmas this. gift for me? No, it's not well, at all. Damn. It's going to go in the podcast room. So uh, check out Into the Vault. And listen, if, if you ever want to feel good about giving money to an organization, 85 cents out of every dollar that is raised from Ducks Unlimited goes right back into Habitat. They're a great organization, and they know how to spend their money wisely. So support them, because they help the duck numbers more than anything. And we need that. Uh, also, we are brought to you by the Hunt Proof app. We're right in the middle of waterfowl season here in the southern part of the country. And I am filling up the Hunt Proof app. It is an easy way to electronically log your hunts. You can put pictures at the end. It tracks the weather for you. It's a great, uh, it's a great journaling method. There is a free version and there is a paid version. Don't be a tight ass by the paid. <laughs> So there you go. But either way, download the Hunt Proof app and start logging your hunts because there's going to come a time in your life where you're going to you're going to want to tell your grandkids about how big of a badass you are killing ducks and geese. This will be the proof. Yep. And trust me, I went back and found some old stuff that I had written down years ago. Didn't kill near the birds I thought I had. The glory days were not, not, not all, as glorious as I thought they were. Not always that good. Nope. So get it. And then uh, when somebody calls bullshit, you can prove them wrong. We're also brought to you by the Looking Glass Podcast. They have a Patreon site. You can go to their Patreon account, uh, give a little bit of money, and you will have their entire library. The bourbon reviews, uh, the debauchery that goes on over there, Logan and Rebel are great, great guys. 
and we will see them, I guess, in a couple weeks. But you can uh, subscribe to their Patreon account, and you can get the whole the whole library. It makes a long road trip even better. So go check them out at uh, Looking Glass Podcast on Patreon right now. Also, we're brought to you by Alpha Outdoor Specialties. If you've got uh, something in mind that you want to see built that's going to change the waterfowl world, go to Alpha Outdoor Specialties. You can send them uh, kind of what you have in mind. And they'll build it for you. Makers of the Stanfield Stool. Uh, but they are a great company. And they got a lot of cool things coming out to uh, revolutionize the waterfowl industry. Also brought to you by Bangtail Whiskey. You're talking about another great little gift. Bangtail Whiskey is not for the faint of heart. Bangtail embodies a select few who believe in hard work and relish in the opportunity to take a step back to enjoy the fruits of their labor. Whether relaxing for a midweek swaller or communing on the weekend with quality people bangtail is sure to provide a truly unique and tasteful experience time and time again with deep southern roots bangtail provides a first class handcrafted whiskey experience pour a jigger of bangtail and enjoy must be 21 years or older to enjoy but dad or wants have coffee. a cousin dad and yeah that alcoholic uncle mm. he wants bangtail so get him that and watch him get drunk. Coffee and, and make coffee and whiskey. That's the best gifts there are for him. Put them yeah. together. Yep. Put them together and make it through the holiday seasons. Uh, we are also brought to you by Shin Gear Waiters. They're not just a waiter company anymore, ladies and gentlemen. They are changing the waterproof. Uh, they got a waterproof jacket out. I got it last week, and I am sad to say that I had to use it a lot earlier than I thought, meaning I had to use it, period. Uh, but do not like hunting in the rain, but you stay dry. I did stay dry the entire time. And their secret product that's coming out that maybe not that might not be so secret anymore. It also kept me dry. So listen, if it's if you're hunting anywhere near water, sheet water, rain, whatever, Shin Gear has got a product that will keep you dry. And that is the most important thing out there because I can be cold or I can be wet, but I don't want to be both at the same time. Their waders are out of this world. The boots are phenomenal on the waders. Comfortable, comfortable stuff, and uh, they're a great company. Proud to be associated with them. So check them out at shingear.com. Also, we are brought to you by Lucky Duck. The best spinners on the market and the best blinds that are on the market. The Lucky Duck 2x4 blind fits four grown men. We got crane hunts coming up this weekend. We're going to throw those tops on them, and we're going to be invisible. And then the duck hunters are going to use duck spinners, and they've got something for everybody. So not just waterfowl hunters. They've also varmint. got a great varmint line, coyotes. Dog crate. Thing. Dog crates, five-star crash test rated. I mean, you could spend your whole Christmas allowance over there at Lucky Duck. So go check them out. They've got incredible products. LuckyDuck.com. Also, we are brought to you by Pacific Calls. You can use the promo code BHP25. that saves 25% off at checkout. My favorite lesser call, my favorite Canada call, period, the BA lesser call. It rips. It's got a lot of low-end volume, and it, it's fast response, high pitch, and it's what you need for lessers. Uh, the PCD is my favorite duck call on this entire planet. Single read, screams at them. You're not going to find a better duck call anywhere. So go check them out at PacificCustomCalls.com. Use the promo code, save 25% off. And get a couple stocking stuffers for those uh, people that you love the most and save a little bit of money. We're men of the people here. We're saving you money. PacificCustomCalls.com. Also, we are brought to you by Gundog Outdoors. I hope that you took advantage of the Black Friday and Cyber Monday sale. If you did not, you still need... Get the first aid trauma kit. The field trauma kit. It's got everything you need. Stop bleeding, warm up a dog, cool down a dog or person... 
Uh, it's got gauze, it's got scissors, it's got, uh, staplers in it. So like it's got everything that you need. Alex Mm -hmm. is a retired first responder and he knows what you need to stay safe. And so when you buy the spouse, the puppy with the, for the kids, get them a field trauma kit to get the field trauma kit. I use the uh, quick release system every single morning. I hook Lou in and it's easy to use. He doesn't go anywhere until I want him to go somewhere. And, uh, yeah, that's just the way that we do things. So no matter how qualified your dog is, accidents happen, dogs break. So get the field, get the field trauma kit and then get the quick release system. And they've got a lot of other good stuff for dogs. So just go check them out. Uh, gun dog outdoors. Also brought to you by the best silhouettes on the market. Dive bomb industries. They've changed the game. Skinnies are back in style silhouettes. It's the way to go. We use them every single day out here. And it keeps, it's an easy way to keep your trailer organized, get the bags, they pack up perfectly. Many days, it makes the life so much easier. It really does. It really does. You can throw five dozen over your, you can throw 10 dozen, uh, five dozen in each bag right over your shoulder, walk on out there. So, I mean, you basically can carry an entire spread with two or three people. Yeah, bad water, bad, bad road days. You can get into places. You're not rutting up stuff. Good way to go. Divebombindustries.com. Also, we're brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. Bismuth, copper-plated bismuth is the way to go. Uh, Pretty much everybody out here shoots it, and nobody has ever complained that Boss Shot Shells does not deliver. It's a great product made right here in America, made by great people. Uh, Brandon, Zach, Lee, they're all cream of the crop. And Don't forget Dirk. Don't forget Dirk, the man that makes the engine run up there at Boss Shot Shells, but it's great. Less cripples this way. Shoot once and uh, be done with it. BossShotShells.com. They've got an incredible social media game, and they've got uh, amazing swag if you just want a hoodie or something like that. So go check them out at BossShotShells.com. And our newest, our newest sponsor, Mossberg. Stepped up for the Gold Star Kids, provided guns for them. Proud to have them part of Season 2 of the First Family of Waterfowl and to have them part of the Big Honker Podcast. Yep, we are, we've been shooting the... 940 Waterfowl. And it is, it's a great gun. It's a, it's a smooth shooting gun. And, uh, I really, really like it so far. It's held up to the test. Listen, I've always said, if you want to test a product or a shotgun or something new that you want to sell to the masses, torture test it out here in the sand and all, everything that we got out here. And so far they hadn't missed a beat. Nope. It saved two groups already when the guy's gun broke and then they started shooting a Mossberg. So <laughs> then it was saved the savior. So anyways, check out the 940 waterfowl gun from Mossberg. We appreciate all of our sponsors. We thank all each and every one of y'all. Hope y'all have a very safe and wonderful December. And if we don't do commercials before Christmas, have a Merry Christmas. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Cameron Smith. Uh, he is a former linebacker for the great USC, and he was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. He is now retired, and he is a outdoor photographer, and he's working for Habitat Flats right now, taking pictures out there. Um, really interesting guy, and this is a very good episode, so please enjoy it. Here he is, Cameron Smith.
Here we go. Three, two, one. Boom, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Double T British Kennels. I'm Jeff Stanfield with the world-famous Andy Shaver. Yes, yes. They've been getting a little bit of a workout here. Yep. Good hunts this morning. Ready for tomorrow. Got good wind again tomorrow, but it's going to be 70 degrees for about five days, and it's going to get colder and shit in about 14 days. That's what you keep saying. I'm telling you, I was right on the last one. Nobody ever believes me. You weren't right. Yes, I was. The weatherman was right. Ashley Jack Cowan, he t- messaged me last night. He told me, he said, Jeff, you're spot on. You should be getting paid by the networks. I said, I do. Oh. With us today from the Grand at Habitat Flats, I guess you was a badass linebacker at SC. Am I right? Uh, I guess we can call it that. <laughs> Mr. Cameron Smith. You played you played football at SC for what, four years? Yes, sir. Yep, from 15 to 18. Graduated in 18 and drafted by the Vikings from there. Um, and then short career there, but now I'm living my dream. You played pro football. And most people, that would be a dream. And you're living your dream chasing waterfowl taking pictures other than sacking people. That's right. Yep, this is uh, – well, it feels a lot better on the body. I'll tell you that much. But maybe not so much on the sleep schedule, but everything else feels great. And it's yeah, like I said, it is a dream here. Okay, I'm so gonna I'm, I'm having fun. I'm gonna ask you a couple perverted questions because I'm an old pervert, anyways. You get when you played at SC. Did you ever get to see the Kardashian girls in person? I did not see the Kardashian. I might, maybe on the freeway, but then again, everybody in LA drives a souped-up G wagon, so you what? never know. What is it like around SC? Because it's in it's in a bad part of town, isn't it? Yeah, but you know what I always tell people is it's not what they used to describe. They've done a lot of work um, around that area. Uh, and I would say usually what I say is anywhere about a mile north, north, northeast, and northwest of the campus, it's, it's all ready for school there, for the university. And then anywhere you go south of that, you don't know what you're going to get yourself into, but um, right north of the campus, when you when you start head, heading towards downtown Los Angeles, it honestly is a pretty safe area. There's you got uh, campus police all over the place, and I, I mean, I always tell people just to put it into perspective. You have you know young girls, college girls that will walk around and feel safe in a way. So um, it's a lot better than what you what you'd think based off of how people describe it everywhere else. So yeah. I it was a fun place because it's like what is it's in Watts or something like that, isn't it? Uh, South Central Los Angeles, yep. Yeah. Right there. In, By LBC yep. and Compton where Snoop Dogg's at. Oh, yeah. That's right. Did you ever see Snoop right. Dogg at practice? Yeah, he used to come around a lot. Um, right, probably through my sophomore and junior year when we were winning some games, he was there a good amount. And then, yeah, there was always some there was always some pretty cool uh, celebrities rolling around. Like, uh, I think it was at the Cal game. Uh, Will Ferrell was in the locker room. And I'm my, I played with Sam Darnold. Him and I, we roomed together for a couple of years and, we loved Will Ferrell, so we, we we got to talk to him after after a game, and it was it was a pretty fun time. But yeah, there was people all around all around all the time. It's it is a very unique place in that in that sense. Okay, I'm going to ask you about Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold is going to get a reprieve and, and probably get his career going again. But and I think Baker is too. I think that worked out best for them. Baker going to LA is going to help him. For both, I of think them. Sam Darnold at Carolina is finally going to get to be Sam Darnold again. The guy I feel right. sorry for is the dickhead with the Jets. Zach is it Zach Will. White, uh, well, Wilson. Zach Wilson, Zach Mike Wilson, White. who bangs all his buddies' moms and stuff. Right, he's gonna be out. Yeah. Of fo- he's gonna be out of football pretty quick, I think. Yeah, I, I think there's one thing that people talk about when it comes to Baker Mayfield and Sam Donald. I, I don't know anything about uh, Zach Wilson at all, but those two, everyone, everyone talks about how great of a teammate 
Baker Mayfield is and how, how willing he is to be, you know, he, uh, I played with a guy, uh, in the, with the Vikings, who was a O lineman for Oklahoma. He played with Kyler and he played with Baker Mayfield as well. And he always raved about Baker Mayfield and how great of a teammate he was. And I'll say the same thing about Sam. And, and I think Sam has kind of can have a perception of where, you know, he's quiet. He's a little, he's a little awkward sometimes. And people kind of take that as an arrogance. That guy is, he had on his, he doesn't know who he is. He's like, that's what was, we always said, Sam, you need to start realizing that you're Sam Darnold. When you walk around here, you can't be, you know, acting like you're in high school still. And I think um, that's just one of my favorite things about him is you, you could talk to him. He doesn't, he gives you the time of day. Like you're the most important person in that place. So I think, and people, I feel like people always fail to talk about, how much an organization does for a quarterback and they want to talk about, you know, it's all on him. It's all on, it's all his fault. Look how bad he played. But then you look at the previous quarterbacks that played with the jets. I mean, they didn't have good careers either. So, you know, I think a new, uh, there's oftentimes you see these guys that go into a new organization and they start to thrive because you end up looking at the organization like, well, they didn't put in your, I mean, they had Frank Gore as their starting running back in his (laughs) 17th year. It's like, come on, that's your best guy you got. And I, I'm a huge Frank Gore fan, but it's right. at one point it's like you gotta build your build your team around this guy that you just brought in. Well, so, and I mean, I think it's gonna be if you look, SC's probably a more functional organization than the Jets are. I mean, when you this, when you look at, at their point, history of just excellence there, like there's probably right. a better foundation at USC. Well, yeah, that's a people talk about that in the NFL a lot. When you go, you got these guys that you're you're throwing to. Uh, let's just use Tua, for example. When he was when he was at Alabama, he was throwing to be- he had a better team around him than the time that he got into Miami. He was throwing to better athletes yeah. in uh, in college than when he was in in the NFL. And so I think people fail to realize sometimes too, like, well, this guy was so good in college. Well, look at the guys around him. He had four first round picks at wide receiver, and uh, you know, so I think it's all just comes down to you just never know where you're going to land. And it, but it just that's a big part of where you go is so important as a, as a football player. That's why Ohio state quarterbacks have not done good in the NFL. They play with better players in college than they ever do in the pros. I mean, every, mm-hmm. every team out there right now has got an Ohio state wide receiver, like Alabama receivers. Do you think fields is going to oh, yeah. break that mold fields? I don't, I don't know if fields is going to be a quarterback. Cause I don't know if he can throw the ball quarterbacks. You got to be able to throw the freaking ball. Lamar Jackson, a great athlete. I don't think he's a quarterback cause he, he just cannot throw the ball and he can't stay healthy. If I was Baltimore, yeah. I have a bunch of guys from Baltimore here right now. We were, and they're all Raven fans. Let's talk about that. Are you going to pay forty five million dollars or fifty million to a guy that's only healthy for ten games every year? No, right. pretty much the running back. You don't pay running backs that much. No, and that's what he is. He's a running back that can throw. I ran the single wing when I was in high school. I watched the other day the New Orleans Saints were running the single wing. They were snapping it to the tight end. He was running the ball up the middle. A white guy that runs a four six forty looked like our high school years all over again. That's exactly what it was like. So. That, did you get drafted by Minnesota? Or were you a free agent? No, I was drafted in the fifth round. Fifth round. Yes, so, you, what'd you make? Yes, three hundred fifty thousand, seven hundred fifty thousand a year. Um. Well, it was it was three three hundred thousand dollars signing bonus, and then um, that at that time before when I first came in as a rookie, the league minimum was four ninety five. So you made a half so million a, a year. Rookie. So the yep. kid, the the Cameron Smith that played at SC who was an All American, right? You'd have made a million dollars a year playing college football today. People ask me about that. Do you? Would you wish you were there during NIL? I said absolutely. Fuck yeah, I don't know who would million, But absolutely, I would. I would have loved to be. You'd be making Especially a million. My freshman year, that was that was a big turning page for me, and I think I would have 
picked up some big some big deals. <laughs> yeah, you'd be you'd make you'd make more money in college than you did in the pros. Yeah, that's yeah, tough thing to grasp. But I think that, that's but that's true. I had an old baseball player, Jim Kearns, a friend of mine, and he was an all star, <clears throat> pitched in all star games. Got third or fourth in the Cy Young voting one year. Played in 1981 was his best year. He had a hellacious year. He would have made today's. He would make 15 million dollars a year. I think he that's most he ever right. made was probably three quarters of a million a year. And that's and that right. was a lot of money back then. But compared to oh, what yeah. you make now, you get a two year contract at 15 million a year. Your grandkids don't have to work ever. No, that's just that's, no, as long as you treat it right. As yeah. long as you deal with it the right way. Yeah. That, that, that is some crazy money. Do you think the NIL is bad for college football? Because I personally, I do. I, and, and the transfer portal. Here's what I think, what I believe. If it was done a different way, I, I think you'd have a lot of people that saying that I think that's a great idea. If you had it so that these kids still couldn't touch that money, if they got if they were taking an endorsements and it was put into a bond where it said after you graduate school or by the time you turn 21, then you can access this throughout this time. We're going to be it's going to be invested. It's, there's somebody who's taking care of this money for like a, you know, for per university. Because I went over to the, I went over to the USC um, campus for the week for week one. It was my first game back in five years. And I, I walk in, I see some people that I still know around there. And I said, you know, they're talking about this whole NIL and how there's, it's like you're trying to herd young kids that are already making more money than, than the, the staff. And they're like, hey, you need to come in here. Like, no, I don't, I don't do that. And so we're talking about Caleb Williams, who everyone raves about. They said, he's driven five cars since he's been here. Jeez. He's making us estimated, I mean, I don't even, you can't, it's hard to, I don't want to estimate and insult somebody, but I'm like, they're estimating this this amount of money for a guy, and I'm like, and I still hear he's a great person and everything, but I'm like, it would be really cool if you could look back and say, this he, he, it still didn't affect him as a as a young individual. It didn't because I think the best part about college football is the camaraderie. Everybody, nobody makes any money there, right? Before, right. Prior to this, so everybody's everybody poor. On the same page, whether you were Reggie Bush or whether you were a walk on player, you were all making the same amount of money. Well, maybe not Reggie Bush because we know he was making money too, <laughs> but but. But when you, that, I think the best part about it is everyone is starving in the right. end. Like it's all, I want to be there. I want to be there. But if you could take this money, cause I don't think it's a bad thing, especially if people could start kind of really introducing how to be financially stable for yourself, then you might see a lot less people going broke at the end of their career because they spend it all during the, so I think there's so many ways that could be beneficial, but the way they're doing it by just throwing guys money and, and making them sound like professionals, I just think that. Why, why would they ever want to leave? Why would they ever want to leave college if you're? I mean, hell, like you just said, if I was making a million dollars there and I was realizing I was going to go take a pay cut to play in the NFL, why would I want to leave? Right? Why would, I, why would I do that? I'll, so, I'll bet Caleb Williams is making ten to fifteen million dollars a year. I'm just guessing because no, Quinn years. This was says get, two. That's oh. it. Quinn, this is, now, hold on, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm with Cameron here. I don't want to insult anybody. I Googled Caleb Williams NIL deal money, and this says Williams boasts an NIL value of $2.1 million, according to On3, the third highest in college football. Quinn years from a Texas big booster that I know told me that he got $13 million to come to Texas. I don't know what it's going to say he got, but supposedly he got $13 million to come to Texas. I'm betting you Caleb Williams' family somewhere got thirteen to fifteen million dollars for him to go to SC. 
just had to happen. See, I, Otherwise, people I from heard, Oklahoma. I heard a number like that too. See, fifteen. That, I heard a number just like this. I heard no. Here's there's why I don't want to say just because I think it's right. probably a little too far fetched. I heard somebody say twenty three million dollars. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't That's surprise been me overall since he's been done since this year ended twenty three million dollars okay. is what I've heard. That, that let's just say he made fifteen million just for shits and grins, yeah. which is a ton of freaking say he money. Made, say he makes ten. Okay, ten million dollars. Yeah. He, he's going to be a first round draft pick, the number one player taken. He's by far the best talent in football. If he, he if he come out this year, he would be the first player taken. So he's probably right. going to go to the Houston Texans or one of these teams is going to get him. Denver Broncos maybe will trade everybody else in their whole deal and trade the franchise yep. for him. But anyway, someone's going to pay him money. He's going to get a first year contract in the NFL. He's not going to make ten million dollars his first year with the rookie salary cap. I don't think. No. No, not even close. Yeah, I think he'll make he'll get a five million dollars signing bonus maybe and make three point something million a year. But if he stays at USC for three years, he probably will make fifty to sixty million dollars, probably easily if he stays three more years at SC. Why would you go play for the Houston Texans and make five million dollars a year and lose games? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Behind a bad offensive line. You 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 were a stud yeah. college football player, which and you and you were roommate with Sam Darnold, which means y'all were throwing beating women off of y'all every night. Was it more fun being at SC? <laughs> Two redheads. Or was it in Minnesota more fun? You know, so I think the common the common idea of when you go into the NFL is that no one cares about each other, everybody's out there for themselves. Um I had a great time at SC, I really did. I had great I met great people there. But when I moved on and played for that the, with with the Vikings, I left. When I left that place, I said that, that that is one of the greatest organizations I could have ever asked for. They, from through and through the whole locker room, and I walked in. I was a big fan of a, a lot of the players there. You know, I wa- got to watch when I was at us coming, getting recruited by SC. I got to watch Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr, and and uh, and of course, when I was younger, I was watching Junior or uh, not Junior yeah. So I was watching. Uh, Mentatea, who was playing with Harrison Smith. So I was a big fan of these guys on defense when I walked in. And so Everson, Everson Griffin was at SC before me, a couple years before me. So when I walked in, I was already like, you know, this is cool as heck. And I got to kind of hang around with these guys and they took me in like it was like I was their best friend. And I felt like this is, I had so much fun playing for the Vikings in my year, two years or whatever I was there for. But I mean, you can't, you can't ever take back the time that I had at SC because I would I would still hang my hat a lot you know on my career at SC than I did than I would have with the Vikings I hardly ever I if when people start talking about football I quickly bring it back to to the to the SC because I'm like well, I don't want to talk about my, my, my Vikings career I mean it was plagued with injuries and I you know it was just a, a tough batch I I the really I mean the the big thing was was waterfowl photography I, I started losing so much interest in that so I feel like I wasn't even really there to play football with the Vikings because I was, like I said, I was battling a couple of different injuries and surgeries and stuff. And so, um, I think both had their pros and cons, but I really, I really did enjoy that Vikings organization from the top down. They were great people. Was Kirk, was Kirk the quarterback while you were there? Yes, sir. Is he, now, now he's real practical with his money. I've heard. Is that true? Oh yeah. He is. That's why they yeah, bling him out I on think, the airplane. Yeah. He's, he's, um, I think he's very picky with how he spends his money. Cause yeah, he, there's times where, you know, they'll, yeah, he flies private jet, like a lot of guys do, but yet he'll drive around a, a free truck. Like he, you know, he, that's just kind of how he is. He, he knows what he, he's very into like the classic cars him and Eric Hendricks and Denny Honda. They talk about it a lot. When I was there, they would be on the bus and we talk about Eric Hendricks is very knowledgeable about his cars and, and everything, you know, just 
he likes a lot of classics and and so they'd be talking about you know going to so-and-so's garage and um who, who is it? jay leno does he have, is he the one with yes. the insane car collection yes. so they were they went and visited that during like otas a lot a couple years ago and so they talked about that for weeks and but at the same time yeah i mean kirk is just very practical with what you know he's as smart about his money but he's you know he just knows what he needs and what he wants and um but i rave about that guy too that guy i mean kirk is truly one of the one of the my favorite players i've ever played with just because of how great of a person he is now you so. had uh you had heart surgery and that was one of the big things that led to you deciding to retire now this is something that you were born with and it what it got yeah. worse as you as you aged or what happened yeah so i um i was apparently born with a bicuspid aortic valve so i have two flaps instead of three um and actually when i looked back they said there's a 99% sure thing that you're somebody else in your immediate family has the exact same thing. So my grandpa died at a young age, 65. I think he was fishing. He, uh, some, the, whoever his buddy who was with him said that he had, a, they were fishing for sturgeon. He had a big sturgeon on the line and he actually had a heart attack and died. Um, so we kind of started figuring out that maybe that was where I, it did come. It stemmed from, um, but yeah, so I had a, I was born with it. And then over time, um, uh, after COVID hit, we had to, we had to take, um, we had to have three negative COVID tests leading into camp. And so I had a false positive or a presumptive positive on my, on my very first test. And so <clears throat> came back and I was like, I'm fine. I feel fine. Did my three got through, um, passed all of them. And then they said, okay, go ahead and do your physical. So I did an EKG and they said, Hey, you need to go do an echocardiogram. Um, it's just, it's just league, league protocol. Just, we need to check out everything and make sure because there had been, uh, there's an idea that COVID can affect your heart. And so came back in they said, Hey, you need to go get an MRI. And I said, is this part of it? And they just go get an MRI. Mm-hmm. And so when I came back in, no one was really telling me anything. They said, your heart is, I'm like ready to I'm putting my cleats on. I'm ready to go out to practice. Cause they were already out practicing. And I walk out there and, and they're like, no, you can't be here. I go, what? They're like, you need to come in here with me. And so they said, your heart is three times the size of a normal heart. Oh shit. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> You know, people have always said I have a big heart, but I didn't know it was that, <laughs> like that, literally. Um, but it was just over time. It just, as my, my heart or my, my valve wasn't, it would, it had a longer valve or a longer flap on one side. So when it would clamp shut, it would slide down and the blood would regurgitate back into my heart. Did that lose you? Uh, just for a second, it beeped. Uh, it's just black now. Oh, can you hear us? I can hear you. Can, if you can hear me, I, I just can, can't really see. I can or, hear you. I can you. see that my screen went black. Yeah, I can hear you, but I can't see you. Yeah. There, we're getting something back, but it's black again. Sorry. Tell Tony to pay that internet bill. <laughs> hey, oh yeah, we just had our, uh, the power went out. Oh. <laughs> um, Oh, there it goes. There it goes. Something was on my phone. Okay. Yeah. I went, it was switched over to my phone for some reason. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was sliding down and the blood was regurgitating back into my heart. So just like a muscle, my brain was telling my heart, we need more blood. So it was pumping and, and, and getting bigger and stronger. So that's where it all went. And I was, I was ready to play through it. Honestly, I said, can we monitor this and just fix it after the season? Cause I had just had a, you know, pretty tough, uh, rookie year but i was kind of building on it like ready to come in and be an impact on my second year and um you're like no you 
we might look over one day and you'd be dead on the, on the ground. So they're like, okay, well that makes sense why we need to just do the surgery now. And, um, yeah, that's when everything really changed for me. Did you ever like, did you ever feel like anything might be wrong or did you just always kind of chalk it up to uh, just a tough workout or, you know, that maybe that's why I can't catch my breath or my heart's beating so fast. Yeah. I actually realized when I was, when I'd walk in maybe a little late to something, I was always one of the guys that was like first one in there. I needed to kind of debrief and get myself ready to go, whether it was for a workout or for a game or just even in the morning, I'd show up super early. So if I ever showed up a little bit not on my schedule where I had some anxiety, a little bit of like stress getting there. I walked in and I had this, you know, this, my heart where it would kind of boom my whole chest and I could feel it in my whole chest and it would, and it would like, there's a, I think it's what I understand is it's, it's a separate issue that people actually have. They kind of have, it's almost like a, it's almost like it skips a beat and then it catches up. Um, I forget the name of it, but that was the only thing that I ever thought could, was related to it. And, um, you know, I always, kind of felt like I was out of shape. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I started, I wore a, a heart rate monitor my, um, rookie year and second year. And my, you'd see my during a middle, uh, you know, decently hard workout and look up and my heart rate was at like 220. Phew. So I was like, Oh, that's not good. Right. So I'd sit down and I'd kind of get back up, get my feet under me and do it all over again. But I just always felt like it was, I need to work harder. I'm not, I'm not in shape enough, but yeah, that was the only thing that I ever felt. I never, and even when I came back, I didn't feel like it changed much. That was kind of the the the, work, the saddest part about it. I was like, oh, if I've been playing like this with, right, you know, at this level with a with a malfunctioned heart, I can't wait to see what it's like when it's fixed and ready to go. Right, and it just didn't really ever change. Now, the, what what do you mean it never changed? Like the way that you, what, what, the way that well, you felt after workouts and stuff, or or yeah, so you just never this, got anything had, going. Yeah. So when I had the surgery, I came back, I, I wanted to play, I wanted to play. I wanted to, I wanted to be the one of what I would, what I would assume is the only person to ever come back after open heart surgery mm-hmm. and, uh, and to play football. Cause I know that there's some guys that have done it in like basketball or baseball or something like that. But, um, I want to be the first one to play football. And so when I was training after my second year to get ready to come back for, um, OTAs and, and fall camp, I just never really felt like I was, I didn't feel like Superman, like mm-hmm. I was hoping to be. I thought oh, I was going to walk out and I be understand. like, this life is good now. We're right, ready to rumble. Right, right. Like this is, I, I feel like I'm going to have the best career, best year of my life. And it just never really felt like that leading all the way up to the day that I retired. I was like, I don't feel much of a difference and I don't, right. I don't want to deal with it anymore. So I, I understand what you mean now. Uh, how bad yeah. was that recovery? I mean, you know, they basically split you open. Not it wasn't bad, bad at all. At all. No? As soon as my bone healed, I was ready to go. It took me three months to, for my for my sternum bone to heal, and then it was on. So, because they, you know, there's the more like non-invasive through the through right. the side, but you you go through a lot more muscle and, and tissue and tendon and stuff like that. And they said we don't want to do that. We want to go straight down the, straight down your sternum because your bone you're still young. Your bone is going to heal nice and strong. So the the recovery and the whole process getting back was a piece of cake. Really? I would take that over and over and over again over my over an ACL again. You've had an ACL also? Yeah, my freshman year at SC I had an ACL. <clears throat> what is that? <clears throat> Excuse me. What is that like? Like do you automatically know oh that's my fucking ACL? Like is that something No, that- I actually had a I had a uh um a lot of people say they they feel it pop like that, but I actually had a 
um, when I went in, I had it kind of slide. It felt like it just got tight on me. And this was in the middle of, I was in Colorado, uh, playing at playing you know, up there in Boulder. And it was Friday the 13th. Uh-oh. And I was like, I already kind of walked in already like, Oh, I, I don't really like this feeling. And, <laughs> and, uh, um, but I ended up planning on it and it kind of tweaked it and I didn't really enjoy it. Um, and so I went in, had it just wrapped up and taped up, put a brace on and played the rest of the, the rest of the second half. Um, and then I went in, they said, you part, you've had your knee was partially torn for however long, like you have so much scar tissue around this ACL right now that I don't know how long it's been torn. So I played a good portion of, or at least my, I would say my sophomore, junior uh, year of high school into freshman year of high school until they finally just said, let's just read, let's just do the knee. That's okay. So, right. but that sucked. That was a tough, that was a, that's a mental game. That's, you know, that's, it's a long process to get back. Yeah, because that's a year, basically. Yeah, I came back in eight eight months and three weeks. Right, right. That but, was right but, before but, fall camp I came back. But like for a guy, like a running back or something like that, that has to be shifty and cut and all that stuff. It, you know, you see a lot of times it, it it can take a year. That's what sucks about like Kyler. Kyler went down. Like you know he's not going to – it's going to be a long shot for him to be ready, definitely for camp and even maybe preseason. Yeah. And yeah. so much of his job yeah. is timing. I don't think yep. I don't think <clears throat> Kyler Murray will be uh it would be at least twenty twenty four or twenty five before he's anything. I think he's done. I what? think I, Kyler Murray, yeah, I don't think he ever he's he relies on speed. He's a running guy. He's not a thrower. Hmm. He relies on quickness and running. You don't think so? I wouldn't say he's I, done. I I would if I, I if I was NFL GM, I wouldn't sign him. <clears throat> I think you're going to see that entire I think you're going to see that entire Arizona Cardinals organization begin to kind of fizzle out. Me too. In my yeah. opinion. I believe you. I don't think a lot of people talk super highly about Kyler Murray. And I think they're kind of, he seems to be really having his way with the staff and kind of doing his own thing. I, I bet you, you, you see a different organization there in the next couple of years. You know, and I'm disappointed. I've been watching the hard knocks on HBO and they don't show any of the good stuff. Like they fired that coach for whatever reason in Mexico they didn't show any of that. Were they supposed to go to a whorehouse in Tijuana with him? Is that what he did? Well, I don't, I don't somebody know, but said I'm that, assuming he had some fun. No, somebody said he got into it with <laughs> a bunch of players. Oh, well, maybe they need someone to chew in their ass a little bit. That's what's wrong with guys today. Because they don't, Kings, they can't take King, an ass chewing. King, it shows Kingsbury. It opens the next episode. They play in Mexico City, and then it opens up. Kingsbury is basically apologizing to the team like, oh, sorry, you guys had to deal with that. That's very unprofessional, and... Like you'll never have to deal with anything like that ever again, and all this other stuff. But they didn't show what happened. Cameron, so they they made it seem like there was like this locker room brawl. Cameron, you're a show it. You're a regular guy. You waterfowl hunt, which means you're a cool dude. <clears throat> you're like everybody else. Did your high school coach chew on your ass when you screwed up? Oh man, so, yeah, all the so, t- all the time. And you were the star he, of the football team, right? All the time. And you were you were a yeah, stud from your sophomore year on. Okay. Yeah, sure. When you went to SC, did you ever get your ass chewed out by a coach? When I was a yeah, yep. Yeah. Not so much from the head coach. Um, he was kind of more of the good cop, but from the on the defensive side of the ball, uh, yeah, absolutely. Was Coach O there when absolutely. you were there? No, he was not. Okay. He left maybe two years before I got there. Was was uh What's the guy's name from SC? Jack Del Rio. Is he there? I can't remember who was at SC coaching. But. No. Okay. But no, you get, so it was uh, – go ahead. Was it old school coach, though, that chewed on your ass? Um, 
Yeah, it was a so Peter Sermon. I, that's the linebacker coach that I came into play as a freshman, um, and he was very, very, very. Um, how do I call it? Um, you know, he was to the T. It was it needed to be done the right way, and if it wasn't, you weren't playing, and you were going to get motherfucked. Like that was just how <laughs> it went. It was old and, school, uh, and I loved. Oh my god, I loved him. Yeah, he was he was my guy. <laughs> And that's why, I mean, I, it was a big reason why I committed there. But then Clancy Pendergrass came in um, as the defensive coordinator when, when Clay Helton took over from Steve Sarkeesian. And, and he was he was very similar, too. He was very much, you know, this is how my defense looks. And if you don't want to do that, then we're not going to have you play. And um, But at the same time, I kind of felt I tried to do things right. Like, I, I, was, I was always that kind of guy who, like, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to do things the right way. I'm not going to get yelled at. Like, I don't, you know, I'm two-time captain i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be that guy to get yelled at in front of these guys so uh, i really didn't get yelled at much it was more of a mutual conversation of like this is what i see this is how you know let me show you what i see as well so it was kind of like a teamwork deal towards the end of my career so i don't really remember getting yelled at too much <clears throat> but, well, but, but i do actually i will say this hold on once i do say that i walked in one time my freshman year it was fall camp and i had i had my hair was all goof you know from sleeping in like just didn't shower any or anything and justin wilcox i walk in justin wilcox says he says listen motherfucker you better start showering before you walk in here no sleepy eyes none of that you're you're a grown man and i was like oh man all right that's how it goes like okay so i think you know those are those are the times but yes i i go ahead i i just wanted to it is. It should happen. I think that's happen. the problem we have in the NFL. If you watch NFL films from the seventies and eighties, those guys got their asses shoot out by their coaches all the time. You don't hardly see any right. of that anymore. They with, coddle and they coddle these people so much, but they're coddled from the time they're in high school to college. And I think that's I'm, well, you're going to see Kyler, more of that. Kyler Murray is an example of that. He's had his ass kissed so long, even. Flirting with pro baseball to stuff, so it's not like someone's going to get on his ass. And like Nathaniel Hackett, he said, "You know, how do you expect me to coach someone that has more bathrooms in their house than touchdowns they've thrown in a season? You're you're dealing with you're dealing with a bunch of prima donnas, and but you can't talk to them no more. Back in the seventies, though, those guys were thankful to be football players, and they needed the money. You know, right. these guys today get a rookie contract, and now you're dealing with guys who's got millions playing college football. Right. They're not they're, they're, there's nothing to motivate them." Right. I, I had a Dallas. Yeah. I had a football. I had a Dallas player personnel guy hunt with me fifteen years ago, and we were talking about football. And he told me, he said, the problem you have, he says, is you got guys that are busting their ass that are free agents, fifth round, sixth round, fourth round picks. They're wanting to get that next contract because they hadn't gotten paid yet. They're making good money, but they're not rich. But if they can get that right. first big contract, they're wealthy and they'll be set up for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. He said, the difference between them guys and the guys that really make a lot of money are those guys that bust their ass through that big contract to get that really big contract, your third contract. And he goes, yeah. it's hard to motivate a guy that's got a million dollars. Right. You know, and you're absolutely right. That's what they say about boxers too. Once you, you know, it's hard to go out and do all that fucking road work yeah. at three in the morning when you're silk when you're sleeping in silk sheets. Like it's just, yeah. that's not there. That dog ain't there anymore. Who's your pick to win a Super Bowl this year? <clears throat> oh, I'm I I am a Vikings fan. I will. I have been trans. I was a grew up a Niners fan, and when we lost them at Levi's, my my um, my rookie year in the playoffs, I lost a lot of respect for the for the Niners. Um, just out of pure saltiness, I am. I would love to see a Super Bowl in Minnesota. But who Those do you think's gonna win? Would be 
Huh? But who do you think's think, gonna be in the Super Bowl? I think you know, I think I think uh I think it'd be fun to watch Bills are in the AFC, right? Yeah, Bill, yeah. a Bills Vikings rematch from from earlier on this year. What where a it was game the craziest that was. game I ever. That was a great What's football. That? What game. a fucking game that was! Insane. That was a great game. Great game. And do you do you guys know Matt Williams, guide here at Habitat Flats? No. no. Okay, no, so I he's, know. From, I know he's from Rochester, New York. Um, he's been guiding here for um, for sugar. a couple seven or eight years now. Um, I need to stop this transferring over stuff. I'm gonna just What's his name? Off. Maybe um, I know. I, we met Matt Williams. We met. He he runs a uh, he has a um, fishing uh, charter in, in New York. He's from Rochester, New York. And uh, is he the one that's friends with Arliss up there? No, no, he's no. I don't. Um, no, he just. I don't know. If you don't, I thought you guys. I thought you guys have have, have known him. I, maybe he. Had, I think he had talked about you, Jeff, or maybe he didn't. But anyway, he, we watched that game together, and he was. He's a huge Buffalo Buffalo Bills fan, <laughs> and so we were just back and forth, and it was super fun to watch. So if those two were ended up playing the Super Bowl, I think I think it would be a lot, a very very um, passionate group of fan bases to come in and 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 cheer these teams on. So I would like to see. I think that would be a fun game to watch. I wonder which 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 franchise is more cursed, the Buffalo Bills or the Minnesota Vikings? Oh. Minnesota. I mean, talking about getting a monkey off. I don't know. You're talking about four Super Bowl losses four for the Bills? Yeah. Like, I mean, four there's two snake-bit franchises. Well, I like mm-hmm. I like both franchises. But I yeah. don't I don't see Kirk Cousins ever quarterback in a Super Bowl team as much as I hate to say it. Uh, and San Francisco, I think is by, I think San Francisco. I picked before the season started. I took the Chargers and I took the Eagles. And the Chargers are looking more and more like a Super Bowl what team. Because Chargers and Eagles was my preseason picks, and both of them look really really good. But I have a feeling mm-hmm. now it's going to be San Francisco and Kansas City. Even with Brock, do you, do they roll with Brock Purdy? I don't they think say they Garoppolo's re- coming back. I don't think brother. I don't think they change quarterbacks, and I don't think Brock. I think Brock Purdy is the perfect NFL quarterback for them. He doesn't make mistakes. He he throws the ball good. He's Jimmy Garoppolo two And they got and he's younger. And they've got and they and they added uh, McCaffrey, and they got such a good defense. So I think they went. I think that that's going to be them instead of Eagles now. As long as it's not the Dallas Cowboys, I don't give a shit who it is. <laughs> Amen. I yeah. Agree with you more. Uh, no, yeah. Nobody likes. Yeah, I would take. F- I would pull for Russia over the Dallas Cowboys. I'm telling you right now. I ain't pulling for the Cowboys. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I would. That's. I. I'm you not guys ever. Are in Texas, right? Yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah. and I still ain't going for Dallas. Hell no. Are you a Are you a Houston Texas fan? Fuck no. I mean, I would pull for that. I do when they play <laughs> Dallas. I do when they play Dallas. I'm a Redskin fan, yeah. and I've been a Redskin fan since I was a okay. little kid, and so. And I'm a Packer fan, so you know I'm I, I need oh. I need a big win this weekend from uh, a Rod. That's why I'm sour on Kirk Cousins because when he was at Washington, oh, he does yeah. the same thing he shit he does at Minnesota. A big game comes, and that motherfucker ought to ride a different bus to somewhere else. But when if a game that yeah, don't but, count, he's money. But I think you look at every so they've won 11, 11 yeah. straight games. They're eleven and zero in games decided by three or less points, right? The only thing I think that's going to stop the Minnesota Vikings this year is their defense. Well, they're they're going to go as far as their defense is going to go. You look at Kirk Cousins' numbers in big games and tight games. He has performed this year. He's been very good this year. He's well, been very good. And I'll tell you, you know, from from an insider, 
you know, the, the last staff and his, and, and Kirk Cousins, they didn't gel. So when you have a new guy come in, I can, those guys are having fun. They're having a blast over there. And, uh, I think, I think them, they're just as a, as a group of, a group of men to come there. They truly, like I said, I've been in that locker room. Those guys truly enjoy each other and want the best. So I think you're going to see a tight knit group of, if they can, I hope they almost, I really hope they don't get a, a first round by other than, you know, injuries and helping everybody get healed. But I don't want them to stop rolling. They need to, they, as soon as you miss a game and you're in a high roll, you, those guys are, you know, you can see those teams come out and lose pretty quickly. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't understand that a lot of times because everybody's fighting for that coveted spot of getting a, getting a break. And I understand it's probably healthy for the body, <clears> but there's yeah. also something for just let's keep this train rolling and not stop absolutely. the momentum. You want that home field absolutely. advantage for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I know, but I mean, like Green Bay, like I said, I'm a big Green Bay fan. For two of the three years, we've had home field advantage and we hadn't done fucking shit with it. And we've stopped our right. momentum and then we've had to kind of pick it up again. And you always see the first seed plays terrible the first half of that first game. Why, yeah. why does yeah. Minnesota, th- this is my thing with Minnesota, and this is a fantasy football deal, but it wears me the hell out. Dalvin Cook is one of the best pass catching running backs out there. They don't ever throw the fucking ball to him. They used to throw screen passes to him all the time. I think they just try to limit their touch, his touches. Yeah, he's I, such he's such a dual, he's such an impact that. And Alexander Madison's a great. He's very good too. Well, so, yeah, but I so don't. I think you kind of you try to give him the ball, and 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 in certain, it's like Adrian Peterson. Like you don't throw the ball to Adrian Peterson; you hand the ball to him and let him run. Right and up. I think Dalvin is very similar. And, you, and you're also you don't really need to throw the ball to him when you have a guy who you can throw in a ten foot radius, Justin in Justin Jefferson, and he's going to catch it. <laughs> that guy's amazing. I mean, he should be MVP this year, right? He, he might be the greatest oh, wide receiver so. to play the game ever by the time he gets done at the way he's going. I'm going to be pissed if, if it's quarterback this year. It should be Justin Jefferson by a mile. Who who else? Who Here's do you think? Here's the thing with me, with the most most valuable player. This is the, what I was discussed with somebody um, about Caleb Williams and the Heisman. Is if you take these two guys, if you take Justin Jefferson off the Vikings, that team is horrible. Right. Yes. Or let's just call it very average. Right. A very average team. Sure. This guy has, this guy every single big play he is making, he is he is solely contributed to to this team, this Minnesota Vikings team. Therefore. I mean, look at the Patrick Mahomes. Regardless of where, like the Viking, or the Chiefs have been good without him. I, I know it's a little bit different of a year. He's he's a heck of a player. But if you want to bring out a person who's really changing the whole way an organization can play football and how they're winning games, it's Justin Jefferson. Right. This team, if you take him off there, you're looking at him like these guys are not very good. They're the Chicago so, Bears or the Minnesota or yeah, the Green Bay Packers because the Bears yeah, are a team without I, a receiver. He's yeah. making everybody around him. He's making Kirk Cousins look like a, like a damn near Hall of Famer this year. Have, have you noticed? Justin, Justin Jefferson. Have you noticed since TJ Watt started playing, the whole Pittsburgh football team plays better just with him being there? I swear that fucker's playing quarterback for him too, because when he he's when he goes out, they're better. He's a beast. Are um, the Watt family is that the most prestigious NFL family? What about the Diggs? I mean, you got the digs too. I don't know how many Watts. How about the Barbers, the Tiki and Ronde Barbers? Tiki and Ronde. What about the Matthews family? Oh, oh, the math. Oh my, that's un- that's untouchable. Yeah, you got Bruce Clay and and boys all the way down. Yeah, yeah. I, f- I forgot about that's the Matthews, and I think the Manning family is mainly held by Peyton. I yes. mean, let's call it yeah. what it is. You know, they're 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 a football family, but Peyton did most of the 
legacy work. Eli Manning was a was was no better than Philip Rivers. Better circumstance. Better circumstance, <clears throat> yeah. but I think Philip Rivers is a better quarterback than Eli Manning. Yeah, but he's got two Super Bowls. So he does. So, but, and that's and that's always an argument that you say, well, why does it really matter? Because you look at who who's a Trent who's Dilfer, a Hall of Famer that never won that never won a Super Bowl. Dan Marino. Um, Dan Marino. Yeah, one of the greatest one of the greatest of all times and never won a Super Bowl. So. Jim Kelly. Trent Trent Dilfer. Jim Kelly in the Super Bowl. Yeah, or in the Hall of Fame? yes. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl ring. He's not a great quarterback. He was a good quarterback, serviceable. Um, yeah. Brock Purdy will be on that list probably come <laughs> February now. A rookie quarterback that's going to win a Super Bowl. You watch, he's really good. So, did you always have a have like a love, a passion for photography, or is this something that you fell into uh, while you were playing? Also, so when I was at USC, I got very little chances to go hunt. Um, and one second, I got very little chances to go up and hunt. So I did a lot of my quote unquote hunting, um, on YouTube, on Instagram. I, you know, I'd like to, I just would go around and see everybody and, and see what they were, what they were doing. And, and I really fell in love with how people were able to capture shots of, of, you know, just very unique kind of niche little pieces. And, and so I, uh, as soon as I started making a little bit of money, it was right when I was training for the combine, we'd get a little stipend check and, um, I bought my first camera then. So it was right after I graduated from school is when I kind of really committed to, it. I took a film class at SC and, and, uh, just, just to learn and kind of see what it was all about. And then, uh, I took my camera up North and, and started kind of playing around with it and then really dove into it. I, I was like, okay, I can do this and understand the concepts a little bit. And I really started became coming like a student of it and, following a bunch of different industries and all these photographers and, and watching countless YouTube videos of techniques and, and, you know, the whole, uh, kind of different realms you can take it in. So I just fell in love. And, and I think my year of open heart surgery is when I really found out this is what I would rather be doing because I was, I was, no, you know, hopefully no one from the Vikings listens to this, but I was chasing ducks. So I was supposed to watch a film, you know, we, <laughs> they, he still, they still gave me homework to, to present to the, to the linebackers. And I, you know, I'd be like, okay, well I'm going to hunt Tuesday and I'm going to go take pictures in the afternoon here and do all this. And so, uh, I needed to find a way to do that, but I really have asked it because I was so much more invested in, in this piece of my life and to the point to where I said, I don't want to play football anymore. I want to go, I want to go take photos and, and chase ducks. So, um, and now it's growing to, I'm actually, I've been in touch with, um, the Vikings photographer, Andy, uh, who I was there with, and he is incredible. I mean, he just, he, his ability is, is, you know, his talent and his, and his techniques and everything are top notch. And so I reached out to him and said, Hey, can I come do some assisting or come learn from you and, and kind of pick your brain on your workflow and everything. So that's really where my life is at right now, where it's like, I'm so eaten up by this photography stuff that it's all I want to do. And I'm willing to get in, a, in the end, I was willing to give up something that I knew the most about just for this life here. And, uh, and I'm loving every bit of it. Do you, I mean, I've seen, I've seen some of your work mm -hmm. and I mean, you've got a, you've got an eye. I cannot stand the, like the pile pictures and all that stuff anymore. Like it's played oh out, gosh. it's over, it's done. It was cool three, four years ago. Now I will still post, throw up a pile picture if it means something to me. Like today, I hunted with two of my best friends today and we shot some cranes. We shot, we had a good little shoot today. I would probably mm. post something like that because it means something to me. 
but just your everyday, you know, here here's your pile picture. It's played out and it's boring to me. But when I look at your Instagram, like I see the little moments that catch my eye throughout the morning of the hunt, like the pipe and the filling out the, the, the paperwork and the wet dog. So that's the thing that draws me to your style of photography more so than, you know, the, the all the other shit that you tend to see on Instagram. Right. So I'm going to I'm going to try and steer in the way of not bashing because I am a I'm a I am a I am very vocal about my my hatred for pile pictures and gripping grids. I cannot stand them. So I'm going to talk more about why I want to com- commit my time to pr- producing moments. And uh, I like to call it a because, I, you know, I'm, I'm working here for the clients at Abadat Flats. I'm trying to capture their experience here. And I'm, I like to say I'm, I want to produce a different perspective of your own memories, the way you don't see yourself in this moment, but I do. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to capture those moments for you. So, um, that's where I, I look at like, what are the little details that you're going to walk away from? And you're not, you might, you might show your picture, but look how many birds we shot, but then you're like, okay, well, what's the story behind it? And most people are like, you know, that was a good hunt. I mean, we we hunted here, but you, you only have your own memories and your own pictures of what you took in that from that day. But what I like to do is I'm here to capture those so that when they say, what's the story behind this, I hand you a book or I, del- I deliver you a book that has all your memories and you go, here's the story. Here's mm-hmm. what we did this whole, this whole trip. And here's how it came out. And because in the end, being here at Habitat Flats or any outfit or any guide service, you can never guarantee ducks. You right. can't, it's impossible. If you're doing it the right, right way and you're hunting these, these birds that are flying around on millions and millions of acres or wherever the hell they want to go, you cannot <laughs> guarantee ducks. All I can guarantee you or try to guarantee you is a lifetime of memories to bring back and share with people and, and a hell of an experience. That's all we can really guarantee. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've been, my, my goal is, is being here is trying and hopefully, you know, my goal is to, is to branch it off into different industries. I'm looking right now, I'm looking for big game outfitters and guides that I want to do the same thing, replicate, give their clients an even better experience. Cause like I said, you can't guarantee this guy's going to come in and fill his tag. So we can guarantee you try to at least, you're going to take something home regardless and say, here's my story. Here's what happened. And this guy, I didn't have to, I didn't have to worry about my phone taking out a, a crappy little iPhone photo. I had a guy here was who following me around sitting by the campfire with me, sitting by the light, by the lodge with me, watching me walk, walking, watching us all work up this hill, busting our ass. And I, now I get to look back on it and see someone captured it in a, in a, in a better, in a better way than iPhone. So I, I couldn't, I could not agree with you more that, the grip and grins, the pile pictures are so negative for the hunting industry, in my opinion, because you see guys not anti-hunters that want that come in here and they say, this is all I see. Guys right. showing their success of what they killed. Mm-hmm. So, And I know people have different perspectives on it, but there's so much more story to tell of what we are like as a hunter than just showing our pile pictures. Because they don't know what – the num- most people don't know what the numbers of our geese are or ducks are. So when you see 30 greenheads laying at your feet, they're like – Oh, that sounds like that looks like poaching to me. It's like because right. they just don't know. But I mean, that's just I'm I do have a strong stance on it. But I don't, you know, I I know people are, have different beliefs on it. But I I mean, to me, I just think there's so much more to this world, this industry that we're trying to to keep going. Well, everybody, you know, the, the waterfowlers, we love misery. I mean, you know, if it's mm-hmm. the colder and wetter and snowier it is, you know, you're gonna have a line at the boat docks that morning. So. 
Like, absolutely, absolutely. Waterfowlers, yeah. they love the misery, and that's where the story is. The guys, the story's true. in the grind. That's right. The guys that post just pile picks, they're going to say, well, it's because we're shooting 100 stacks and you're not, and that's why you don't like them. That's right. I grew up, my business, we grew up shooting 100 stacks <clears> all the time. It wasn't about the <clears> stacks. And as I've gotten older, I've realized it's the story behind the stack. You can take your hundred, your your stack of a hundred deals, but if you're killing a hundred birds, you got a lot of great content you're not taking. That's 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 important. It's a story that tells. I've got a right. I got a picture in here of a of a duck band that's got a pellet in it, a piece yeah. of shot in it. That tells mm-hmm. more story to me than a hundred pack, just because it's really. How often does that happen? That's a cool picture. Um, that's right. Uh, Lee Cho's come out and did a bunch of dove hunting pictures with us this year. Really neat mm-hmm. stuff. But he, he he took the essence of what happened and took the pictures of it. Well, that's what's important. And 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 photographers are the neatest people in this business right here. The most interesting people we ever have on here are guys that are photographers. I don't know if they get it more than anyone else do. I don't know if it's the patience they have, but it's just y'all y'all are a unique fraternity of guys that do it. But every one of you guys are are the kind of guy that if you had to be in a foxhole with someone, you would want there defending you. Every guy that's a photographer I know has that kind that kind of character, and it, it just says something about y'all. But to take a picture of the content tells more of a story than a big picture of just what, what the end result is. And people like right. that. I think I think people have gotten away from the 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 pics. I think it's like a video of somebody just raining out killing a bunch of birds. That's not as important as it was ten years ago. No, it's not. But it's also. I mean, you know, I feel like in a way today. You can argue, you can argue this with me, but I feel like it's way more challenging in today's world to go out and shoot a pile of ducks. Where back in the day, it seemed like everyone just talked about it, you know, or they say it's not like it was, you know, back then, where you used to just throw out six decoys and and half-ass blow your duck call and they'd pour in. I, maybe it's just the pressure. Maybe there's just we we we've committed so much more um, technology and 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 techniques into doing it today that they're getting smarter. These ducks are getting smarter, whether you want to argue it or not. I, I mean, <laughs> I, to me, I think it's, it's, it's like you watch them fly by. You're like, you guys all have a meeting before you wake up in the morning. <laughs> what, what's the deal? Because you guys know, I mean, they're get, they've been nocturnal here since pretty much since the full moon. Uh, I'm here in Missouri, especially at the summer lodge. It's been, there's, we hear all about how there's a hundred thousand ducks on, on locust grove and, or whatever it is. And we don't see a duck fly the whole day and then they, right right when shooting time is over you see waves and waves and waves and you're like this is ridiculous i mean what how are they how do they understand it's like well you guys we have the same place every single day and you know i would their only job every day every every for every single bird is eat Stay survive and braid and breed and so i think it's um i think it's just one of those ways of how do we keep it going and that's as I, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to hunt as much as I, in my life, as much as I'd love to, because of football, it's always been the number one priority. Um, so I'm sitting here like, I hope that my whole life we are able to do this. And I'm in any way that I can speak about it. I want to make sure that we have people that are willing to keep it going because it's a special thing. You said something that's really made a lot of sense <laughs> that in, I live that life, the four duck decoys, I grew up in the in the, the late 70s, early 80s hunting with my dad all the time. I've got a pair of Victor decoys in there, the old the heavy-ass plastic decoy. If you threw one and hit someone, you could kill someone with one just about flat. <laughs> I, I hunted over them in 1982. We had a horrible polar vortex, and we froze up for about two weeks down here. And them things were flat bottom, so you could stick them on the ice. 
We shot so many right. ducks over them over those two weeks, and that's all we used for decoys. Couldn't right. blow a call to save my ass. When I got, I still can't blow a call any good. We used four decoys, and we killed anywhere from 30 to 50 ducks every day, four of us did, or three of us, how many ever hunted, every single yeah. day, because the birds didn't have the pressure on them. There was more hunters back right. then, but the hunters weren't near as good as they are nowadays. And I believe, I, and right. I'm with you. I believe. I think hunters were more. The, you didn't. You definitely didn't have as many full time hunters that you do. No, now. no, none. Everybody had real if jobs. You, if you did, if you were a quote unquote waterfowl hunter, you did it on weekends and long holidays, and that was when you got to go right. out. My dad was a fireman, so we got to. He, he would save his vacation up for duck season, and we would hunt all the time. But yeah, the average guy right. worked Monday through Friday right. and he hunted on on a weekend. You might hear some other people hunting. During the week when we hunted, there was nobody else hunting. Right. There was no guide services. Right. And that's your pressure right there. Yes. And there's no guide services. Right. right. Birds got rested right. all the time. But right. the honey, hunters today are so much better than they were before. There's they got better equipment. Yeah. But you're right about that. Guys to go out and shoot a limited when the ducks are good and you're on the X, it's easy. But the average guy going out there is not going out and shooting 25 greenheads every day like they used to. You just don't right. hear about it. Well, that's my that's my favorite saying that any waterfowler says. When you talk about something, you know, like we'll talk about a spot or blind that I haven't been to. It's my, you know, I've only been here for a couple of months. I'll talk. You know, is that spot good? They say, when it's good, it's good. Well, no shit. <laughs> it's, when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's horrible. It's like you just, you just pretty much – I mean, you can't you can't just describe something and say like that when it's good it's good yeah okay well any spot when it's good it's good it's 50 50 it's either good or it's bad <laughs> yeah, exactly. so we're just gonna walk out there and try it like any other day exactly we're, you're never gonna walk out and know that you're gonna you might look and like the whole even the scouting thing i just love talking about scouting when it's like times you roll into the field where you watch them pour in the day before and then you walk out like where are they and they're two fields over because they saw you walk in right. like i don't know it's just like yeah. you just never know what these animals are gonna these birds are gonna do and i just love the, the, the science that we we put to it because i think it shows that we really care and we're passionate about it but it's just funny to me how how much people can get so wrapped up over it when it's like yeah if you're gonna kill them you're gonna kill them and it's just one of the it, you know, like we we hunted it was my last there's a weekend before um, I went home for Christmas um, this last year at, at Sumner and we hunted behind the lodge and, and they're like the whole year we've all we've talked about is how hard how tough the lodge is it's so hard to hunt behind there and it, you know it's a deep pit it's the birds are knowledgeable they know where they're gonna be they, they always just pour in there it's almost like a, it's almost like a closed zone and so I had a buddy and I was telling him that when they he came in with some customers and I'm sitting there. I'm like, yeah, you don't really want to hop in the lodge. It's it's really not that great. And people have had trouble. So the next morning or the, that night, Vandermore sends a text and says, all right, you guys are going behind the lodge. And I walk up and I go, all right, let's just forget everything I just said. We're <laughs> going to give it a go. And we had we had the wind in our face. We had literally everything that could go wrong, go wrong. And we walked out, kicked some ducks out in the morning, and they poured in. We had we shot 12 green by seven or 8:15, and we walked out like. <laughs> that was just, I mean, it was just one of those days they just wanted in there and we, and they, they, they worked and it was great. Yeah. Um, so I think you're going to get them. You're going to get them. Yeah. 100%. Like if that's what so many people don't get is like, you know, they, they highlight, uh, their time, you know, on this hot field and it's like literally right. anybody could go out there and shoot a lemon of geese. Like what you're yeah. doing is far from special. Right. And, um, I'll, 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 I'll skip that, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but 
the days that you do have something to kind of puff your chest out about are like, you know, when you went behind the lodge and you've known like this is a day, you know, fuck, we haven't done very good here all year long. And, you know, this the wind's in our face. And then when it works out, like that's the day that you, you know, you kind of beat your chest a little bit harder because that's something that right. was special. That's on the scouter that day. He right. did a good job. <laughs> yeah, that was on Vandemore. Yeah. Vandemore did yeah. a good job. He made day. a good call. But there is, there is a science there. And I think that, and I think that the birds have recognized our vehicles. I don't know what else. It, I mean, I, you know, we fucking, we're looking at this field the night before and I think they see the same vehicle and like, oh, they're going to be there tomorrow. We got to go somewhere else. I don't know. Well, I think it's, you know who, um, you've seen those Boland decoys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that's the kind of stuff that like, I'm excited to see kind of begin transferring because I think you, you, I mean, you put a, you know, you put a wrap over like a real mallard over a, over a mount. You're just like, I mean, how much real, more real can it really get other than maybe he's quacking for you? I mean, you know, or she's quacking for you. Like, <laughs> right. who, how much better can it really get? I think those are going to be where you see someone throw out a dozen, a dozen of those and that's it. And then you're, I mean, I haven't, I haven't hunted over him, but he's, you know, he's not far from, from in Missouri, but I'm like, I'm kind of excited to see what those are more like and how that, how that kind of progresses um, the decoys. Cause I think, you know, every time you fly over, they fly over how many spreads by the time they leave Canada and then all the way down to Arkansas. And, and I hunted a little bit in Texas and I was like, this is tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm out here throwing cute decoys. Cause I'm like, how can I make it look a little bit different than everybody else? I'm like, no, no spinners. Um, all cute, all cute, cute decoys. And it's like, it's tough. You just, they get so knowledgeable. Yeah. I, so. uh, today I, I threw out the, threw out the full bodies today. We run mostly silhouettes here. I've had oh, my yeah. ass kicked since uh, pretty much the full moon of December, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's just, I said, you know what? We're going to be different today. We're going to throw out full yep. bodies. We're still going to throw out some silhouettes, but we, we lined the kill hole with, with full bodies, and it worked. <clears throat> now, yeah. we also had a 25-mile-an-hour wind at our back, so the birds were fighting right. it, to get to, it to get to anywhere. So was right. it the wind? Was it the full bodies? I don't know, but today was a good right. day. And in this industry, that's really all that matters. Today was yeah. good, and we'll work out yeah. tomorrow when it comes. That's right. That's absolutely right. So uh, we're going to start wrapping up here because we're going to have to start going to scout ourselves. So people can find you on Instagram at Killacam. Um, are you? What are you? What are you hoping to do? Are you uh, like what? What's your spring schedule like? I mean, you're pretty well where you are for the winter. So, like, have we got anything in the works for the spring and summertime? So I've been, I've been just kind of going through Instagram, trying to find, uh, we're getting, my girlfriend and I get ready to move to Colorado. Um, so I'm hoping to kind of pick up, find an outfit or find a, a guide service doing big game stuff and kind of try to replicate what I'm doing here to have that five working for the clients, capturing memories and push them into, and kind of try to transition to make a, a year long deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, as of right now, I'll be here during snows, but, um, you know, that a lot of that could change if I do find some work and, um, you know, right now I'm, it's just going to be me reaching out to different guides and outfitters that want to give their, their clients a different experience. And like I said, the, a lot of, you know, I work in a way that what I pay the portion of, you don't pay me. I, I end up whatever I make from the clients, I give a kickback. And so that it kind of doesn't cost them, cost the outfitters a dime for me to be there. It's more so, uh, let's kind of win, win together. And you give me the opportunity to be in front of your clients and I'll, you know, if they like it and they buy something and they want they want to do a package then you'll win from it too so that's kind of just in this position now where i'm just looking to find different different avenues and different uh 
different outfitters to go in there and, and uh, keep going with it. So that's my goal. Now, was this your idea to, to do this at Habitat Flats? Like you kind of had this uh, this thing concocted in your head and it just worked yeah, out I there? Was, yeah, I was in doing real estate in Leander and uh, hated it. Um, and so I, want, I said, oh, this is what I want to do, but I don't want to chase the brands. I don't want to try and be a content creator for a brand because that just is so saturated these days. Right. So I said, here's what I want to do. I want to work with private clients and I want to... I want to give these people, I want to capture people, normal people, so to speak, in what they're doing, what they love. And so that was, this was my idea. I did bring it to, to these, to the owners here and, and got, you know, they were just, I was very thankful that they were into it as well. And they said, like I said, you're not losing. You'll never lose from me being here as long as, you know, as long as I can. And I'm learning so much every, every time I speak to a new group of people that I'm like, okay, here's where I need to make sure I transition into next time and, and make sure that I do hit this. Cause I, I put together a book form and everything. So, um, yeah, it was, it was my idea. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm lucky, lucky that they were into it. And, um, now I'm just trying to keep it going throughout the rest of the year. Hey, I'm going to switch topics totally. I'm going to go back to football. I have noticed this year with all of the new fancy helmets, I have seen more dudes out cold on the turf than I ever remember before. What yeah. have you noticed this as well or am I making this up in my own mind? No, I I it seems like these concussions are becoming more and more aggressive and dangerous. Like some like they're not just like guys you know, oh, he was cleared for, he was out, he's out for a concussion. And he just walks off the field like, I'm right. fine. But he's like, you're, no, we're not doing this. You're out. But you see people that are arms in the air yes. as a board. And you're like, what is going on? It does seem like that. And I don't know what it is. Like, because I can I remember one time Troy Aikman got knocked out. And I was, a, I was a Steve Young fan when I was a kid. And concussions mm -hmm. ultimately ended his career. And right. like, I remember a, just like, a handful of times you would see growing up, somebody would kind of get knocked out. Like I remember Steve Young, yeah. I remember Troy Aikman, but like, it seems like it has been like every other week, a dude, like you said, his arms are stiff as a board out there. And I don't know what it is because like 23 we, miles an hour. That's how fast some of them guys run. You think now. we've just gotten so fast and so big so yeah. quickly. You look at football, from but, the but 70s we've got all these new helmets this year. Like, you know, you, you don't matter. So you could put OJ Simpson today would not be a standout guy because he would be just another fast, big running back. I mean, it's there wasn't like Derrick Henry. Was there ever been a Derrick Henry before? Has there ever been a Justin Jefferson? I mean, there was a few, but those he's big, muscular dudes. And then these linebackers, Michael you, Parsons. Wow. I think you look at like even the two, uh, concussion <clears throat> you don't these d linemen aren't allowed to land on these quarterbacks anymore right like right. if you land on him and even it's if you sack him it's a flag yep. so they end up throwing him around these right. guys are so damn strong that it's the ground that always ends up hurting right or like i mean two it was the ground both times and yes like, i don't i don't know exactly but it looked like both times he got slammed mm -hmm. and hit to the ground and that the ground is the end the, in the end what what caused that so it's almost like you're teaching these guys you know they're, they're, it's a it's a dangerous sport, the physical sport, but you're teaching them, don't do this, do this. Then they end up throwing him to the ground anyway, and it's still causing concussions. It's like, hey, we're going to save his shoulder, For but his we age. might kill him in the, in the process. Right. So it's like, what's, what do you, you know, where do you go? I so, did not think about that. That's, prob <clears throat> that's probably the answer right there. They just slingshot these guys into the ground, and their heads are one of the first things that makes contact with the turf. You're, you're, you're what, 6'3", 245? Is that what you played at? Uh, not that. 
Yeah, um, about six two, but yeah, about two anywhere from two thirty to two forty five. In nineteen seventy two, you'd have been a defensive tackle, right? I mean, that's I yeah. mean that's where we've come up from. I mean, we got you know my, what's Michael Parsons? He's a legit four four running uh, runs four four forty legit. You know, there wasn't a guy like that. That guy was a world class sprinter back in the seventies. I mean, we are just right. gotten so big and fast. Tyreek Hill, there's never been a Tyreek Hill before this. He would have killed right. it back in the day. And, you know, Lawrence Taylor to me is what Michael Parsons is now. But Michael Parsons Absolutely. is one of a – there's a lot of guys like Micah. I mean, everybody's got defensive ends can flat get after it, the Bosa boys and stuff. But you look at, uh, yep. you know, Lawrence Taylor was a was was a phenom because he was one of a kind back then. Well, now every team's right. got one a guy like that. They may not be as good a football player, but fast and can move, and they're big and agile. And I just – I think that's right. – I think we're just faster, and that's what's changed football up. The speed. speed. I would go the with speed, it. Yeah. But, but I mean, that throwing just, around guys makes a lot of sense. You get a – like Dominican Sue, if he picks you up and throws you, he ain't going to have no problem tossing your 240-pound ass around. He's a big man. No. All right. Strong, too. Did anybody yep. ever intimidate you before we get off of here? What's the most intimidating football player you ever was against? Uh, I don't think intimidation. I think there's more just like, um, you know, guys that want, want it a lot. They're very – ready to go i think especially like in preseason games you see like in the fourth quarter a guy who's getting his first rep on kickoff and he's just fired up like foaming from the mouth those are the guys you're like ah oh, here we go this guy's gonna give me everything he's got <laughs> where you just you know that's preseason for this guy's working for his kids and his family and it's like hey that's just part of it but i'm and that's where I realized, okay, this is I'm kind of over this now. If I'm looking at this guy, and I'm just like, Dude, like I would love to be on the plane going home. This guy's screaming at me at 10:30 at night. I'm like, all right, this guy wants it more than me. I'm, there's nothing I can do about it. It's it's our 15th kickoff of the day, and he's screaming at me like, right. let's go. I'm like, all right, get me on the plane. I'm ready to go home. And, and you know, those I think those are the more. It's not intimidation. It's more just like, yeah, you want it more than me. That's no if and buts about it you just you're you're committed to providing for your family yeah it's that's a, it, it's that's a, where i felt like it was just it it's a dangerous guy that uh kind of has nothing to lose pretty much but in pretty and much. i see where you're like you're like oh fuck like not this shit again like i'm tired mm -hmm. i'm ready to go i'm ready i got fucking tape on all over me i'm ready to get this shit off right. i get these pads off mm -hmm. i got right. better shit to be doing well, yep, listen. Right. This has been a lot of fun. We wish you the best with this. Uh, with this whole new, it's kind of a you're you're kind of thinking outside the box here with with this photography game. So, we wish you the best of luck, and uh, we'd love to have you back on anytime. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was a good time. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we could finally work it out. I know we're just busy, so yeah. Hope to maybe do this again sometime. We'd love to. We'd love to. So have a great uh, rest of the season over there at Habitat Flats. Mm -hmm. And then if there's anything that we can ever do for you in the future, just let us know. All right. Thanks a bunch. Hope you guys have some success today. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Find some birds. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye, bud. Thank you. Bye. Cameron Smith and Jeff is leaving. So that means it is goodbye, everybody. Okay. You're going to want to go check out our podcast sponsors. Go check out Lucky Duck, Looking Glass Podcast, Hunt Proof App. Go get that set up right now. Alf Outdoor Specialties, Bangtail Whiskey, Shin Gear Waiters, Gundog Outdoors, Pacific Calls, Dive Bomb Industries, Boss Shot Shells, Mossberg, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, Dirty Duck Coffee, Ducks Unlimited, and Double T British Kennels.